you know, when you take the time and you really think about all the masters of different crafts, whether you're Ernest Hemingway, Maya Angelou, a quarterback in the NFL, you know, just this is being recorded at the time around the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death. When you really study those people who have been masters of their craft, you think about the complicated and the big, beautiful things they do. But they are such masters because they, they mastered the basics. And so today, we, me and Ryan want to do something. We want to go back to something that's basic, but will be super profound in your work with your clients. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. So, you know, I said already that we're going to go back to the basics, but it's profound. And, you know, I want to first ground this in a story. What we're going to be talking about today is really, even as we do interventions, as we assemble our clients' experiences, as we go through those different parts, what we're going to call on this is completing the catch. And here's what it means clinically. And Ryan probably have a story of where he has a visual for this. I think that's really good. But, you know, learning EFT, Ryan, at one stage, the first part was just learning these interventions and just rolling them out, the very basic interventions. But then I forgot something that was so important that we learned in grad school. And this is place of presence with our clients. And so I got really good at rolling interventions. But, man, just the other week I did a, a live in Arizona with Lisa Palmer Olson. And I really watched as I fully caught my client's experience between each intervention, between each assembly. I could feel a dramatic change in the pace of the session and in the client's felt experience there as I fully not only just did the intervention with her, but I fully took it in and caught it and let it inform and guide my next intervention. I felt like that quarterback who was a rookie that just rolls through the playbook, but then in their like, kind of like sophomore season, they begin to be able to read the defense and read and make calls in the moment and really make choices. I don't know. That's just kind of what comes up for me there. Um, you know, how would you set this concept of completing the catch? Yeah, by by completing the catch, what we're what we're referring to is um, your ongoing pattern of how you respond to client information and client experience. Mm. I think this came up a few weeks ago in a training we were doing together or kind of doing together. Yep, and uh, it came out as a sports metaphor. Shocker, and uh, <laughs> and so what what that looks like is. You don't have to be an athlete to relate to this. You could, you could definitely point it out in in many areas of life. But if you're playing catch with some ball, you know it's 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 really essential that you go through a process of reaching out your hands at the right angle with a coordination of your fingers, and to come into contact with the ball again at the right angle to sort of make contact and to to stop the ball's motion in a way that also works for your body. And then you sort of, if you, if you do that in slow motion, there's a shaping of your hand on the ball. And there's a sort of a rhythmic movement of where you bring the ball back to your body at, at risk of sounding melodramatic. You literally bring a ball back to your heart mm. because that's your center of balance on your spine before you move it back away from your body to return the throw. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
you know, if you if you're an athlete for a long time, this becomes pretty automatic. Um, but when it comes to responding to your clients' experiences, it, it it's not so automatic sometimes uh, because there's so much happening. Your client's anxiety, your own anxiety, you know, the desire to change something, or even the desire to get more information. That before long, what can happen is you're just skipping from one thing to the next too quickly. And what will happen, especially in an experiential model like EFT, is you'll roll along and, th and there won't be any, any traction for change. And, and we see that a lot with supervisees, and that's really the origin of, of this podcast. Uh, not that people are doing bad work at all, just that EF what EFT doesn't have is some kind of magic pill theory. Mm. You know, we don't have some kind of crazy resource we give people or some kind of, you know, fancy um, outside the box, you know, change event. The change event is your interaction with them in session. And so what we have to do is complete a lot of catches along the way. And every time you complete a catch, that is an intervention. And every time you mm -hmm. respond fully in attunement with your clients, fully using yourself, you are changing the product. You're changing the, the focus so that when it's time for change events, we're already halfway there. It's slowed down. It's dropped levels of vulnerability. And, and so then it gives the corrective experiences a chance to, to really take root. Is that making sense to you? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I mean, I just got to feel it. Like I said, I was in this live with this person, and I knew one of my first goals was to do a good emotional assembly with the person. And But what I felt like, I just I, I settled myself, and I could feel the distress, right? Like, this couple really cared about each other and wanted things to be so different. You could feel the desperation for them. And um, But what I also noticed was both of them had a hard time even fully catching their own experience. And because they couldn't fully catch their own experience, some of the good parts of them were getting lost. Um, they couldn't send or respond to clear signals. And the negative cycle just kept running, sending bad messages of shame about them personally. So when I was able to say, can I just slow down and come back? So how do you know what happens with him? He kind of, I see him go away like, oof. Man, I even see that. Like your body, this is how much you care about him. You want to be close, and then you trying to reach out, and the part of him you notice by his face is like he's gone. And you notice it, and your body feels it, and you know it. And it's a familiar place for you to be in a place of need and see someone you love go away. And, and what I'm doing and as I'm saying this, like I'm allowing, I'm fully catching, like, uh-oh, not only am I letting her see I get like her sadness and she slows down, but I'm feeling it too. Then it's like, I know I want to go for, you know, I want to go for what's the meaning or how do you, how does this hit your body? But I want to fully take that in like, oof. And you know, this is one of my favorite use of self. I even feel that like even right now, it brings like a warmth up in my eyes, a sadness when he goes. But let me check in with you. What does it bring up for you? And she gives me that limbic part. It's just like a knee jerk. It's like a fire that hits me. Oof. This moment's really fast. That's how fast it happens to you. I even feel the anxiety. Like you see him go away and your body activates. My body wants to activate and move towards. So when I do that, Ryan, I just keep watching her shift levels down, down. And this is kind of, if you go back to our podcast, we've talked about path one, path two, or alpha, bravo. Like, uh-oh, 
she's on Bravo path. She's open. But part of, I think, fully catching it allows that, what I keep saying, it lets the emotion and the experience breathe some more. That sets you up for your next intervention. That's well said. And it, I think it's really, really easy to get out in front of your clients. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes your clients want you out in front of their clients. Because <laughs> if they can get me out in front of where they are right now, it's less vulnerable and less risky and less effective. Right? So... What we're saying, going back to that metaphor, is fully catch the ball with an emphasis on fully before you try to throw the ball back. Yeah. In other words, don't ask your next question. And oftentimes, don't let them go to the next comment until you've completed what is there. Right. So this is true for our responsiveness. It's also true for assembling experience. So many times we get, we get a story, as we'll talk about, I think, in next episode, and we jump out trying to solve some story, and we don't even really know what is happening. Mm -hmm. This happens in the big picture in terms of their attachment dance. It also happens in the smaller picture in terms of how we respond to what they're saying. So trying to move us more towards practical. Anytime, so it's, this is important as well. I think if a client comes in and says, you know, it's a cloudy day, the temperature's in the 30s, and I've got a stomach ache. I don't have to do a complete catch of that. <laughs> I don't have to go, yeah. okay, That's so right. today it's cloudy. The temperature's in its 30s and you have a stomachache, right? That's information, okay, so that, that's fine, but that's not what we're referring to. What we're referring to are comments that have attachment significance. Anytime your clients say things with attachment significance, meaning like danger cues and triggers, for sure any emotionality, any body signals, you know, any attachment meaning and any action tendency, when that enters your room, we must find a way to get people to focus on that. And that, and that focus comes with your response. So fully capture that, even if you have to say, I always try to get supervisees to do this, and honestly, no one ever does, so I got to get better at this. But don't be, don't feel like you got to be so smooth all the time. Sometimes mm. just say, "Hey, time out. Hang on, hang on, hang on." Something you said right there is really, really important. Um, clients are okay with that. They're not mad at you. Don't don't forget. Clients don't know what they're supposed to talk about. They can't. They they're not able to distinguish, you know, content stories from attachment rich information. That's your job. So when it comes in your office, we've got to identify, hey, that has attachment significance. We've got to find a way to focus on that. I was trained, and I think you were too, and I think it's a good, a good thing to think about. You know, comment on what you want more of. Mm. And I was trained early on uh, on the solution uh, models to like, okay, if you want more positivity, talk more about positivity, talk more about solutions. And I think there's a measure of wisdom to that. In a time and a place. I also think there's some some uh, translation problems there when, when people are in deep pain, particularly deep relational distress. Just focusing on what's going positive can be very distressing, especially for the pursuer. And so, what? And so, but applying the truth of that principle, I think, is this: I want I want my clients to slow down and spend more time focusing in the attachment channel and less time telling me other things. So the more times I give a full, complete response, a full, complete catch to attachment information, I have refocused the session 
just with my responses and my pacing and my personal level of engagement with them, my use of self. So after the break, we'll come back and we'll talk about more specific ways to finish the catch. We just want to take a minute and thank you for being a part of the Leading Edge podcast. We are really inspired and grateful when we hear from you in trainings or through social media about how this content is truly helping you push the leading edge of your learning and being able to apply emotionally focused couples therapy with your clients and some of you also in your own personal lives. And so at this moment, we just want to ask you to consider helping us out. Yeah, James, I appreciate you saying that. When we first started this, uh, we had no idea it would take off like it has. We get contacts from all over the world. So it's really cool to think that we're coming through your speakers and into your devices or however you listen to us. Uh, we appreciate that. It's really an honor. And like James is saying, we want to ask you to consider helping us make this sustainable. We've gone back and forth on how we want to handle money or, or if we want to involve that. But the reality is to make this sustainable, uh, we do need to do some things and make some investments. So we have a Venmo account. We would love to ask you to consider partnering with us and joining us to, to make this sustainable, to take this to other people who are trying to help others around the world and even the next generation of therapists. So you want to talk about how they can do that? Yeah, if you want to be a part and you can, to support us, you can go to on Venmo at LPC or on Cash App LPC with a dollar sign in the front. And in the subject line, just to help us know that you're a leading edge listener and you want to support us, please put leading edge or here's a fun one we're doing. We're playing with Ryan put left in the comment line because you are part of the leading edge and emotionally focused therapy. There you go. So at Doc Hawk LPC. Yes, correct. Okay. All right. And I want to say one thing really, really quickly, you know, uh, depending on where you are in life, if you're living check to check, if, if money is tight for you and, or if you're somewhere and you're really serving an underserved population, please do not give us money. We do not want your money. We won't take it. We'll send it back somehow uh, because that's not what this is about. But if you're at a place where you're doing okay, or maybe even doing really well, and uh, ideas from this podcast, if you use them professionally, for which you re uh, receive fees for your services, consider partnering with us. We've had people who've donated $300 or $50, whatever it is for you. We trust that uh, our listeners are going to make the best decision for them. We just want to make this available for you. You're welcome to continue joining us if you don't give. All right. So I love what you just said there, Ryan, at the end. That's, that was a big statement, that our responses and pacing focuses a session. And, you know, I think why this is important as we get ready to go into the practical part, still going with the sports one again, you know, a quarterback has evaded all the defenders that are trying to get after them. They've made the right call, and then they throw a pass, and then the receiver maybe has a moment where they're so excited to, like, get the ball and run upfield but then they look away and don't complete the catch. And that can be very frustrating. And part of why this really, I'm excited about this for therapists, like you said, we've seen this in supervision is, you do a lot of hard work to get to certain moments and you're working in session, whether it's assembling a motion or doing different interventions. We wanna help you set up to get to get the most out of these interventions that you're using. That if you set up a conjecture and it the conjecture lands, Man, we want you to complete the catch with that conjecture. If you conject sadness, and they're like, yeah, yeah, it is sadness. 
Oof. Man, so it's sadness. That's what this place is. That you know, people see that, you know, it looks like you're angry, but you're kind of this is the sadness underneath that. Okay, thank you so much for letting me really see that. And then it sets you up. Don't just like, so it's sadness. Okay. So tell me what the, you know, and then when you get sad, what do you do? Like you don't give sadness a time to then be in the room and do experiential work with the actual sadness they're talking about. There's a difference in working with the sadness they're talking about and working with the sadness they actually feel. Fully catching it is doing an intervention, the intervention landing, and then it leading you to being able to do more experiential work. So Ryan, what are maybe some practical ways and tactical ways we can help them understand doing the full complete catch? Let me just agree with you quickly first before I give practicals. Um, um, when I was a kid, we used to do scavenger hunts. No one does scavenger hunts anymore. Is that a cultural thing? Escape rooms maybe. Is to oh, there that. you go. Well, we used to have some kind of scavenger hunt. They would be like, you know, across town, you drive 10 minutes and it's like, you know, some, some, the next clue is tied to the back of a tree or something. And, but I remember it being kind of exciting when you found the next clue. You grew up in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there wasn't very many buildings. So anyway, yeah, it's tied to the back of the tree. And uh, our whole group would get out there. It's usually night, so like with a flashlight. We like pull this piece of paper off the thing. And everybody's kind of screaming and excited. And they shine that flashlight on that next clue in the scavenger hunt. And we read it carefully. Then we look at each other and we talk about that clue. That needs to be us every time an attachment-rich thing enters your office. It's the next clue on a scavenger hunt. You can't just like pull the piece of paper off the tree and keep driving. Otherwise, where are you going to go? And so when an attachment-rich thing comes in your session, man, you got to find a way to focus on it, to slow it down, to let it knock you back, is what I said in my last core skills training. Like, let it knock you back, especially on the emotional piece. But really, anytime one of the four elements come in, which would be a, an attachment trigger or an attachment danger cue, any emotion words, body words, any attachment meaning, any action tendency, when that comes in your room, it is the next clue on a scavenger hunt. Ryan, can I jump in and fully catch yeah. what you just said? Because yeah. they can't see me. My mouth dropped when you use <laughs> the image of a scavenger hunt. Like, literally take that in for a moment as a therapist. Like, literally, you were trying to get a clue to where this client is stuck or where they're having a need or a longing or a hurt. And the client gives it to you. And instead of, like, really taking in and reading the clue, understanding the clue, decoding it, and moving on to the – and, like, you just grab the clue, stuff it in your pocket, and drive away. That's a good image, Ryan. And then you can, and here's where I'll be frustrated with me and watching my tapes. And then I wonder why I'm lost. Well, James, you never really fully took in the, the clue that the client gave you. That was a great image. I like that. And then the, the clear points you gave. So when, what do I need to catch, Ryan? Do I just catch any ball, right? This reminds me of a game on the Wii where they throw like danger items at you, but you're only supposed to catch the ball and not catch like the spike. Attachment cues, emotion tied to attachment meaning a tie to attachment, not just like random information about the weather, but like, you know, I just feel so alone or I get scared because of things will blow up. I'm just not quite sure if he'll be there for me, the meaning, right? And then, like you said, and also these action tendencies. And then when I get scared, I shut down. Like that's something to grab. Like, woof, that's big. Because these are the points our clients, the, the, the negative cycle does not let our clients see. So we've got to be the person to help them see what the cycle doesn't let them see. Anyway, 
No, and thanks for the object lesson right there, James. You just modeled completing the catch. You know, I made a simple point. I was ready to go on to the next one, and you did a beautiful job of saying, uh-uh, this matters right now. So you slowed it down, and you worked with it for two or three minutes. That's exactly what we're trying to get you do it, to do. And, and I'm excited about and it. And you're excited about it. Like, it, it. So your energy changes my point. Mm. Oh. Remember, remember, we're not dealing with facts and um, – concrete things we're dealing with the experiences of your client so when the therapist gives energy to it it changes it mm. when the therapist gives a full completed response to the variable that they just gave you it changes the variable every time we respond to an attachment important thing that they say it changes the thing all in preparation to move them back towards the herd, to move them back towards co-regulation, towards our enactments. So this is really, really key. And so we, you know, we, we're going to title this episode on a sports metaphor, but I do want to go back to a little bit of science here. Part of what we're trying to say is just like Bowlby's stuff of, of the therapist needs to be the stronger, wiser other. At risk of being redundant, clients in distress don't know what to talk about. They can't tell the difference between you know, things that we would see as important and uh, what they would see as important and, and, and what's workable. We're not that different from our clients. We're way more like them than, than not. In fact, we all are clients at times. But the one thing we have that they don't have is repetition of redemptive, corrective experiences. In other words, we have the map. So when something they say appears on our map, the worst thing we can do is to not fully catch it and to fully respond to it. So I just want to say that, trying to get practical here uh, and at risk of death by acronym. <laughs> we have too many acronyms, but two of the ones that you'll see at a lot of trainings are, are RAVE, R-A-V-E, mm -hmm. and sometimes REV, R-E-V, which are largely saying the same thing. We're just trying to help you remember you know, or trying to help you get some good practice to where it becomes second nature. I don't ever think about an acronym in session, but you know, it helps when you first start. So rave, at least the way I teach it, mm -hmm. I, oh, credit maybe to Becca Jorgensen. Yep. Is she right. the originator? I don't know. I, that's who I've, I've traced it back. Okay. To. And rev, I got it from Gail Palmer. I have no idea. I got that one from Gail. That's where I got it. Okay. There you go. Well, I can tell you for sure. It's not my idea. So <laughs> not plagiarizing. So the rave for, for me, uh, is reflect. Both of them start with reflect mm -hmm. and remember, that's about those mirror neurons, right? Our, any mammalian brain is looking for another mammal to meet them on the same radio station, so to speak, to, to, to meet them on that same frequency. Someone else see what I'm seeing, otherwise I'm lost. Mm -hmm. And so reflect is, is to literally bring back their exact words matched to pacing and tone. It's a really, really simple, basic, often missed area of completing the catch. The A in rave, I use it for two A's. Uh, one is to accept fully. So let it knock you back. Let it impress you. Tell your clients, hey, hang on a minute, hang on. That's a really big deal. A lot of times clients don't feel their own pain until they see their pain in your eyes. The second part of that A is to attachify. I think that might be Lisa Palmer Olson's addition. So we want to keep it about attachment. I saw some good sessions recently that were very deep emotionally and were helpful, but they failed to make it about their relationship. 
which created a bit of chaos there. Mm. And the V is validation. Give it permission. Honor the function. What is the attachment function of what I just heard? Before the E, which is to be curious and explore further. What other attachment variables are happening in this place? There's Rev. Mm -hmm. Then Rev, you want to do Rev or you want to do Rev? Sure, you hit reflect already. Then the E is the evocative question or evocative response. And then validation, which, you know, that's a classic in R. Because I remember just watching Gail in that one. Once again, talking about a full, complete catch. I just watched Gail's session. It's like she kept R-E-V, R-E-V, R-E-V. I said, Gail. Did you notice you just keep doing that same combo? When I think about that combo, here's the full catch, right? I'm sorry. Another sports metaphor. I was watching the thing on Mike Tyson. Me and Ryan have been studying different people who are good at their craft. And he's so scary. But, like, they showed he had the same kind of combo that was, like, his finishing combo. Because people are so scared of Mike. They bend over and they huddle up and try and protect their, like, don't let him hit them in the chin. But then they expose their rib cage. He like literally almost reaches behind them, taps them on the ribs to open up their hands, and then uppercut comes through. But that's the full, he's fully understood his process. And the same thing we want to do, <laughs> right? We're not trying to knock our clients out, but it is a way of, I can see where you protect yourself, but if I can just keep reflecting, being there with you, catching this moment with you, that validation, and it keeps rolling to the next movement. And bringing this full circle, in 91, uh, Mike Tyson was fighting Michael Spinks, one of his most famous quotes. And, oh, and yeah. uh, Spinks had been uh, talking trash in the media about how he had a plan. Right. He had a plan to beat Mike Tyson. And, and they interviewed Mike Tyson and said, what do you think about Michael Spinks telling everybody that he has a plan to beat you? And Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. <laughs> and uh, Mike Tyson knew something about limbic functioning right there. And can I, I want to add on to that. Our client cycles have a plan, but then what happens that disturbs the plan of the cycle that doesn't allow them to kind of be fully open, when you catch it, it opens them up. It's kind of like that rib shot. <laughs> you thought you were going to protect yourself, then it, a rib shot, it, it's like it, it really does open them. So I don't know. And I don't know Michael Spinks real well, but my, here's what I would suppose. He probably did have a plan. And uh, if he could have executed it, it probably would have beat Mike Tyson. So the problem isn't so much you got to have this new trick, this new aspect to the That's model. Right. It's your ability to trust it under duress. And what we find is most, most EFTers really can be responsive. They can finish the catch. They can respond to any attachment-rich variable or comment from your clients. They can rave or rev, whichever you prefer, right until the heat turns up and the chaos of the cycle comes in. Your clients upregulate, and your body sees that, and you upregulate. And failing to complete the catch is often the first thing that goes. Yeah. And I think with that too, Ryan, this is a statement, so I don't usually say very hard statements, but this one is important to me. Your, your interventions are not going to be better than your attunement. And what I mean by this is what we're talking about with this full catch, it is you trusting the power of attachment. That it's not just about me rolling to my next intervention that creates change, which what we are kind of saying that the catch is an intervention in a way. We want you to count that that you fully, even as you assemble or as you do conjectures or as you do validations or as you do reflections, that when you complete the catch, when you do that reflection with your client, you say their words back, here's what I would say to you. 
Keep your eye on them. Don't take your eye off. And as you do the reflection and you see something happen, like, yeah, I see how that even touches you now as I repeat those words back. I see that. I see that how it hits your eye or how even if it's a, even if it's a negative, when I hear how you, your body kind of bristled there a little bit because that's a hard statement to hear, right? You fully complete the catch. And actually what your client does is it does do an intervention. It shifts things. Yeah, I said this before we hit record, and I've been teaching this for about a year now. <laughs> this might be the only original thing I've ever said. Uh-oh. All right. right <laughs> Which probably means I'm wrong. Somebody smarter than me will call me, and then next year in this podcast I'll have to – I'll have to issue an apology, but it seems right today. So anyway, I just said, you know, the, the stress relationships, what's the one thing they cannot do? And my answer is, is for they can't focus. They just transition so quickly. They never actually finish a full set of response. Yep. So some people would say, what's the one thing unhealthy distress relationships can't do? They'll say vulnerability, but that's not true. I've seen lots of couples who, or couples, families, even individuals, but particularly distressed relationships, they can be vulnerable at times. Mm -hmm. They just can't stay vulnerable. And or when the partner is vulnerable, they can't figure out how to slow it down enough to get a full comfort, you know, attuned response in. So they're just switching back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so the more times they switch back and forth, the more they inadvertently learn how not to respond to each other. Yeah. And as Sue Johnson opens up every externship, she says, I'm about to go through a very, very sophisticated research-based model, but don't forget, this is all about responsiveness. Whoa. So we are also modeling secure attachment with our responses. Attachment's all about responsiveness. They can't do it if we don't do it. That was a good one, right? So it's not only about us completing the catch, but we are modeling something for them because you're right. I have seen that where somebody says something that's really good and it opens up and even might even be with other person wanted to hear or something they've been asking for, but they just keep moving and it gets lost. And then that's where we have the responsibility. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can we just go back to that moment for a moment here and allow them? And it's like, and I've had clients actually thank me like, I'm so sorry at home. We would have totally missed that. And we, and it, we would have been in a bad spot later on that evening. So I like exactly. that. So you all, I mean, I hope this has been helpful for you to go in. You're probably, and I hope this is a word of encouragement. You're probably doing good stuff out there. You've, you've done EFT trainings. You've listened into our podcast. You, you, you're doing the stuff. Um, adding this element in, it's not just about go do more and work harder. We want to help you, once again, tap into, like Sue said, this is a very sophisticated research-based model. But don't forget your responsiveness with your clients is powerful. And like what Ryan was saying there, that when you respond and you are paced, that will help you focus your session some more. Not saying it's the golden ticket, but it's definitely it's a higher percentage. We need to get Chad on here. It's a higher percentage likely that your sessions will be focused when you complete catches. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com and you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. 
You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training and on his website, RyanRaynerTraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com.